Are we up? There we go. I'm not going to read all 17 verses, so don't panic. Uh, we're going to read some scripture here this morning, and, and then we'll get into the message. So why don't you stand with me, Mark chapter 2. And I'm going to, I'm going to begin reading at verse number 13. We'll start reading at 13. I'd advise you to read the whole thing because the story is interconnected, but I'll begin reading at verse number 13 if you'll read along silently with me. And he went forth again by the seaside, and all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom, and said unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass that, as Jesus sat at meat in his house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician. But they that are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Let's pray. Our Father, we praise your holy name. I thank you, Lord, that 28 years ago you called an old sinner to repentance, and that was me. I praise your name for your salvation. And I'm humbled today, Lord, when I think that you loved me and you called me. Now, as we preach the gospel this morning, I pray that if there be any here who do not know Christ as Savior, that you would speak to their hearts. I pray they would hear the voice of Christ and would answer that call. Thank you for this time. Thank you for our Savior. Thank you for all that are here. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would now speak to our hearts and that you would instruct us from the Word of God. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, I would like to speak to you about your health. Americans are probably one of the most health-conscious nations upon the earth. Thank you, Lau. I will. I don't know how much time I can take, though. Everybody's hungry. Everybody got up an hour later than they thought, and they're all, they, no one had breakfast, right? We take care to watch the foods we eat, the amount of fats we consume, how many carbs we eat, make sure we're getting enough fiber, I don't know why anyone wants to eat fiber, but anyway. We have entire governmental agencies designated to oversee the farming and food processing industries. We promote physical fitness in our schools and workplaces. Hundreds of thousands of dollars are spent annually on gym memberships. Yet none of this can stop the inevitable. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, the author of Hebrews writes, And it is appointed unto men once to die... But after this, the judgment. Now, how did this come to be? How do you and I today fall under this edict of physical death? We've all heard the old adage, there are only two certainties in life, death and taxes. So death awaits us all. It does not matter how much money you have today. It does not matter how important you may be today. Each of us will leave this earth by one of two methods. At the rapture of the church or at our death. However, all that I have said thus far addresses our physical death, the death of our body. But what about our soul? In Romans 5.12, Paul writes, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. 
We must all remember this morning that Scripture confirms that there are two deaths. In the Revelation chapter 20, John writes in verses 12 through 14, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Oh yes, my dear friends, we are all sick today. We are all dying today. And when we are sick, we go to the doctor for help. And this is the crux of my message this morning. I would like to introduce each of you to some doctors today. The first doctor we're going to meet is Dr. Law. In Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8 we read, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. The first doctor I would like you to meet today is Dr. Law. Now Dr. Law is what we would call a general practitioner. In a spiritual sense, he is our family physician. We would go to him for a runny nose or an earache. He would treat us for minor cuts and bruises or aches and pains. This is also true of Dr. Law. Now, Dr. Law is vital to the believer, and he should never be taken for granted. Just as our family doctor should always be appreciated, so should Dr. Law. In Romans 7.22, Paul writes, For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Just as our family doctor tends to all of the health issues in our life, so does Dr. Law tend to our spiritual life. In Psalm 119 and verse 92, we read, Unless thy law had been my delights, I should then have perished in mine affliction. Just consider for a moment the many benefits we gain from our association with Dr. Law. Well, we we benefit with, first of all, health. In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 8, we read, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. And Solomon tells us that the law of God is capable of imparting to us truth that will help us to live healthy spiritual lives. But not only do we benefit with health, but secondly, we benefit with knowledge. Paul writes in Romans chapter 3, verses 19 and 20, Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore by the deeds of the law shall there no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. A good family doctor educates his patients concerning matters of health. He advises them concerning different health issues and how to avoid certain problems and how to improve their health. And so does Dr. Law. He gives us knowledge of sin. In fact, 
In Scripture, he is called a schoolmaster. In Galatians chapter 3 and verse 24, we read, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. And yes, the law is designed by God to show you and I what we are. We're sinners in the sight of God. But not only does our association with Dr. Law give us health and knowledge, but it also gives us success. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to Psalm 1. Psalm 1. We read together from Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And yes, the law of the Lord, uh, Dr. Law, can, can help to impart to us success. But alas, there are some health issues that are too complicated for our family doctor to resolve. Perhaps each of us have experienced this. We, we developed an illness which was too complex or, or too specialized for our family doctor to help us. So what does he do? Well, he has to refer us. He refers us to a specialist, to someone who has skill to resolve your particular issue. Now let us consider our sickness today. We are sick in sin, and this sickness has condemned us to eternal separation from God. Separation in the lake of fire. And for this, Dr. Law has no answer. In Galatians 2.16, Paul writes, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Dr. Law cannot offer you healing from the sickness of sin. He can only diagnose your problem. He can only help you to identify the sickness, but he cannot resolve it. Dr. Law will have to refer you to another doctor. But who will this be? Now at this point, there are two other physicians that will come into play. One is of great worth, while the other is of no value. In Job chapter 13 and verse 4, Job says, But ye are forgers of lies. Ye are all physicians of no value. Now let us look at these two options this morning for just a moment. The second doctor I want to introduce you today is Dr. Religion. In James 1.27, we read, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Now, the first thing most men will turn to in an effort to cure their sickness from sin is religion. But what is religion? Well, by definition, religion is godliness or piety and practice, consisting in the performance of all known duties to God and our fellow men in obedience to divine command or from love to God and his law. Now, as we read a moment ago, James defines religion in Scripture as pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. 
Now, when you boil this down, you are left with one simple thing, and that is works. Notice the verbs in, in the definition and, and in the scripture we read. Practice, performance, duties, visit, keep. All of these denote works. Religion is, simply stated, works. So the prescription of Dr. Religion will be to do more works. Dr. Religion does not know God, and he will not offer you a cure for your problem. He will give you a regimen to follow, but alas, it will not be such that will resolve your issue with sin. In Romans chapter 10, verses 1 through 3, Paul writes, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves under the righteousness of God. Dr. Religion will sound like he knows what he is talking about. He will say all the right words to make you feel better about your situation. He will say things like, You are important to God. But Paul tells us in Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12, As it is written, There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. But Dr. Religion says that you're important to God. Dr. Religion also says, you are fine just like you are. Feel good about yourself. But Paul tells us in Romans 7:18, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. Dr. Religion will say, God loves all men and would never send you to hell. But Revelation 21.8 tells us this, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Oh yes, Dr. Religion has a lot to say, but nothing of any help or value to your soul. He will lead you down a path that will end in rejection by God. For remember in Matthew chapter 7, the words of our Lord, where he states, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And in the end, Dr. Religion will take you, take all you have to invest and will give you nothing in return. But wait just one moment. We have one more doctor to meet this morning. And that is Dr. Grace. In Romans 5.15 we read, But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace 
which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. Now we come to Dr. Grace. Now, Dr. Grace's office is very drab. It's not as flashy as Dr. Religion's. There may not be drums on the, in the corner, and there may not be psychedelic lights flashing on and off. Dr. Grace's office is very serene. Choruses of Saved by Grace, Jesus Saves, and the old rugged cross fills his hallways. The Bible can be found on his waiting room tables. On your first visit, Dr. Grace moves quickly to diagnose your sickness. Ephesians 4.18, Paul writes, Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Dr. Grace does not attempt to convince you to try to clean up. No, he tells you that, in fact, there is no hope to save your life. He tells you that you don't need to save this life. In Matthew chapter 16, we read in verses 25 and 26, For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? And can I just interject here that over the years, I've been amazed at what men will trade for their own soul. Dr. Grace tells us there is nothing of value in this world. He tells us there is nothing of value in this life. Nothing worth saving. Dr. Grace tells us that God will not save this life. Rather, God will give us a new life. In John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's right. A new life. The old life is done away with, and the new life begins. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul writes, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, Dr. Law can't do anything but show you that you are a sinner. Dr. Religion wants you to keep this old life and just clean it up. But Dr. Grace wants you to do away with the old life, which is corrupt beyond hope, and give you the new. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. And this new life can only be given by God. For in John chapter 1, we read from the 12th and 13th verses, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, I haven't told you the best part yet. You see, Dr. Law's fee is very costly. 
Romans 6.23 tells us, For the wages of sin is death. So Dr. Law has a pretty steep fee. And Dr. Religion's fee is also devastating. In 2 Peter chapter 2, we read from the first three verses, But there were false prophets also among you, uh, among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. Dr. Religion wants your seed money. Send your money to me, and God will shower you with blessings. No, he won't. Dr. Dr. Law has a steep fee. Dr. Religion has a very steep fee. But here's the best part. Dr. Grace's fee is free. There's no charge to see Dr. Grace. He never charges, for he paid it all himself. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us in verses 7 through 9, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. How wonderful. How marvelous. Dr. Grace cries out to this world, offering this free gift of eternal life. In Isaiah chapter 55, we read, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. But there is one catch. Only those whom God has called can hear and receive this offer. In John 10, verses 25 through 28, we read, Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me, but ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Do you hear this voice today? Not my voice. Do you feel that pull at your heart this morning? As you sit here this morning, does your heart burn and long to know Jesus Christ? To know that you are a child of God? Do you hear the call of the Savior as He says, Come unto me. As He says, Follow me. Do you hear that voice this morning? Then come to Dr. Grace and receive healing and receive life. In Colossians chapter 2 and verse 13 we read, And you, being dead in your sins 
and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Perhaps you are saved today. Then I ask you, are you a patient of Dr. Grace concerning your daily walk? Or have you gone back to Dr. Religion? Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace, according to the measure of the gift of Christ. To you today I remind you of the words of our Lord in Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, where Paul writes, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you? This only would I learn of you. Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are ye now made perfect? By the flesh? Has coming to church become just a duty to you instead of a joy? Has tithing become a matter of convenience instead of a matter of conviction? Has witnessing of Christ become an embarrassment instead of an honor? Just who was it that cured you? Was it Dr. Law? Was it Dr. Religion? Or was it Dr. Grace? I'm calling out every Christian in this room today. I'm calling out everyone in this room this morning who may not be saved. If you're not saved, then get saved today. Don't put it off another moment. For 2 Corinthians chapter chapter 6, verse 2 tells us, For he saith, I have heard thee, in an accepted time. And in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And if you are saved today, isn't it time to get busy for the Lord? Isn't it time to remember the pit from whence you were dug? Isn't it time to remember the sin you were taken out of and empowered to overcome? Isn't it time to choose sides today? In Joshua chapter 24, Joshua challenges the people of Israel as as he nears his death. He says, now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt. And serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
I don't have control over a lot of things, folks. I'm just a simple man. I don't, I don't control the Senate. I don't control the government. I don't control the weather. I don't control AT&T. I don't control many things, but there is one thing I can control, and that is this. And my kids are sitting right back there, and I'll say it right in front of them with no fear. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's time to choose. It's time for Christians, Christians to quit walking the fence. It's time for Christians to try, to try to have it both ways. It's time that God's children start living like God's children ought to live. It's time that God's people stood up and be counted with the Lord. It's time to choose a side. You'd say, but if I choose a side, Brother Abshar, I might lose my job. Then lose your job. But live for the Lord. Amen? I'd rather be a poor man on the street than a rich man having forsaken the Lord. When you get to heaven, ask Peter if it was worth it when he denied the Lord. I can tell you right now, Peter would tell you, that was the most horrible moment of my life. When, the Lord, when, I, when I denied the Lord the third time and that rooster crowed and the Lord looked over and our eyes met, I guarantee you Peter would have wanted nothing less than to die at that moment. I'm calling you out today. It's time to choose a side. Get on or get off. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you for your love. Father, we don't know what love is. We have no idea how to love. Your love for us goes beyond human understanding or comprehension. Thank you for our salvation today. And I pray that you would be glorified in the life of everyone here. I pray that all honor and all worship would go to you. If, there be, if there's any here this morning, Lord, who are not saved, I pray your Holy Spirit would speak to their hearts now and would draw them and bring them unto you. And for those that are saved today, I pray that no one here who is a child of God would be able to go forth from this moment on without choosing a side. Trouble our hearts and our minds, dear Holy Spirit. Don't let us be comfortable in sin. Don't let us be comfortable in the world. Stir us up. Stir us up. Cause us to love you as we should and serve you as we must. And we'll thank you and we'll praise you in all these things. And we pray that Christ will be glorified and magnified by all things. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.